First and ten Raiders, back to throw Carr, throws one over the middle, it's tipped up in the air and picked off by Poole, and he's going to go into the end zone for a touchdown. Are you kidding me? Brian Poole, pick six, the Jet defense scores, and this is an incredible performance at all three phases today. They are dominating this game. Great one-handed catch by Brian Poole to come away with that tip ball and then take it into the end zone for a touchdown. E-S-N-Y. The New York Jets, world beaters, monsters, the best team in the NFL, just like fans have been saying since last spring. These are the real Jets. A beat down on a dreary day at MetLife Stadium on Sunday against the Oakland Raiders, cemented a three-game winning streak, 34-3. Sam Darnold continues his toward play. We went for 315 on 20 of 29, passing. Two scores, I believe, if my memory serves me right. Robbie Anderson got involved, double reverse flea flicker, as Adam Gase discussed after the game. Actually, Darnold discussed it in the locker room. Uh, we'll get to it a little bit, but the quote was, Gase asked him, Right when they stopped the Raiders on four downs, he asked him, You ready? Is this the right time for the flea flicker? The double reverse flea flicker that, for those who played Tecmo Super Bowl back in the early 90s, that was the play in the game. The, the trick play of the game, Tecmo Super Bowl. I think the Niners had it in their playbook. Not sure, but if you were creating your playbook, that was in there. That was the play. And Darnold was looking down the middle of the field, the post on the first option, the first read, came to Robbie on the sideline on the second read. Underthrew it, but it's encouraging that he hit his second read. And he did that a lot in this game. For all the talk about a regression under Gase, and I do think it wasn't Darnold's fault, as I discussed a couple weeks ago. He regressed during that time period, but it's not his fault. It was everything around him, the offensive line. This league is a scheme lead league. Look at Jared Goff. I said this last year, and Rams fans were getting all over my case. If you flip Darnold and Goff, you don't think Darnold could have taken the Rams to a Super Bowl last year? Jared Goff is not a good quarterback. McVay's scheme took the league by storm. Greg Roman in Baltimore, all credit to Lamar Jackson. If I had a vote to vote for MVP, I'm voting for Lamar. There's no question. But Greg Roman, we've seen this story before in San Francisco, 2012, Colin Kaepernick. The true, chest, true test for Jackson will be next year and 2021 and moving forward. 
schemes can take the league by storm, but it only lasts as long as the offensive line holds up and until the defenses around the league figure you out in which you have to come up with something new. Darnold has the talent to be a franchise quarterback. The question has always surrounded whether or not the Jets organization would put him in a position to get it done. Early on, after the Pats game, it looked like he had no shot thanks to the O-line. Today, Jets, three in a row, four and seven. You're starting to see Adam Gase's concepts. You're starting to see Darnold's talent. Why? A lot of fans are trying to attribute blame or credit to Gase and Darnold. Oh, Gase still stinks. Darnold's just overcoming his crappy quarterback, or his crappy head coach, rather. Don't play that game. It's a stupid game. The narrative that Darnold had to go to Gase to say, hey, this isn't working, is an overblown narrative. Gase is always going to piggyback that narrative because he wants his quarterback to look good. It's not important. Quarterbacks and head coaches always work in concert. What is important is figuring out why the offense is suddenly working. And it has to do with the offensive line. This is not the New England front seven. They first played the Giants, which the offensive line wasn't great in that game, by the way. Then they played the Redskins. Other than Adoga against Kerrigan, the O-line held up. Now the Raiders. Raiders have a decent front seven. They don't blitz a ton. So questions still surround and remain about the Jets O-line taking on heavy, blitzing, talented front sevens. But how is it improved? How has it improved so well? Well, folks, backups are better than starters on this Jets team. We saw it at the cornerback position. We're seeing it now. Bless Austin and Mallet. They can outplay Tremaine Johnson and Daryl Roberts in their sleep. We'll get to the defense later. Offensive line. Beecham comes back. That's big. Harrison steps in for Khalil. Compton steps in for Winters. Alex Lewis stepped in for Osemele early in the season. But Harrison and Compton have made a world of difference. And this line hasn't been together that long. People always talk about communication. The line has to stay together. Garbage. Of course, it's a factor, but talent comes first. And Harrison and Compton are getting it done. It's amazing what a quarterback can do if his offensive line keeps him upright. And that's what we're seeing with the Jets. The Gase-Darnold stuff, trying to crap all over Gase because you went out on a limb early in the season, that's not important. What's important is the offensive line is allowing it to happen and trying to figure out how that is happening. So, Darnold has a huge day. You know, they still can't run the ball. Le'Veon Bell, he's the type of back, folks, and this is why I was against the signing. He's the type of back where it takes a long time for him and his offensive lineman to get on the same page. He's the most patient back in NFL history. He thrives off of counters, draws, misdirections. You can't plug him into any offense. It just doesn't work that way with him. At times when he needs to hit the hole, he doesn't. He dances. He waits. Can't do that behind a so-so offensive line. 
You get it done in Pittsburgh with guys he's been playing for for several years, but he's not going to get it done in New York. Powell at times, that's why you see Powell hit the hit the hole hard, and, and you go, whoa, what the, where the hell did that come from? It's because you're just not used to seeing a guy hitting the hole. Running game's never going to take off this year. But luckily in this new league, you don't have to have a running game to completely succeed. You, you could substitute the rushing attack with a three-step designed uh, system. It helps. But as Gase spoke about after the game as well, why the offense is flourishing is because they're not putting themselves in bad situations. No second and 15s with the penalties. They're picking up three, four on first down, setting up second and six, third and three. And, and they're doing it very well. And Oakland had no answers. Now, something to keep in the back of your mind, Oakland, was they were just terrible. They were awful in this game. Dropping passes, they just weren't ready to play. West Coast team coming east, maybe that was a factor. John Gruden was not happy after the game. I think uh, one of his funny funniest quote was, well, we're not the 85 Bears. I think that was his quote. It had me dying hysterically. So keep that in mind. Next week, Cincy, I don't, I don't expect it to be an easy game. You know, they may be winless, but they have been in so many games this year. They're right there. So it's a dangerous game. Um, then the goal, obviously, is to get to Baltimore 6-7. and seven. And if they do that, you know, they've done their job and the fans should be happy. Playoffs, don't even think about it. Yeah, after the win, they're only two games out of a playoff berth. But there are, I think, four or five teams in between them and the sixth seed, which, who is it now, Houston? Or Indy, I'm sorry, Indy instead of the Raiders? I'm not sure. But you heard Jamal Adams before, right at the top of the podcast here, talk about how he and his defense felt disrespected. He said it in the locker room. Everyone jumped on it. From the locker room, walking out to the pregame warm-ups, he heard boos. This, that, put yourself in Adams' mind. This is his team. This is his stadium. This is his state of New Jersey. MetLife Stadium is his. Eight times a year, he shouldn't hear that. Yet when he walks out, he hears boos. And he felt disrespected. And he told us after the game exactly what he did once he heard those boos. Uh, not a lot of you. When we came, when we came onto the field, we felt disrespected. All, all the we got booed in our own home stadium by Oakland fans, and uh, you know we came back into this locker room. Went out and it was, it was, a, it was a hell of a talk. It was something that, that needed to be said. Um, we felt disrespected. Went out there and put up a shut up. Who said? said who it? said who what? Said it? Who said? You said it needed to be said. I'm not gonna get, in, not gonna get into what was said. Oh, who it, said it? We but felt disrespected. Did pre- you say it? Yeah, I came in here and, and sparked it off. Did you get more ups, right? Yeah. Talking about yeah, Was this worse than usual? Because uh, there were some other games like Cowboy fans were pretty loud too. That yeah, no, it's just, it's just you know, I guess I, I don't want to sound very <laughs> arrogant and, and just cocky, but you know, they came in. I think they came in a little too happy. Just put it like that. I think I think they didn't. They thought it was just going to be an easy game. 
the fans thought it was going to be an easy game. Put it like that. Said Jamal. And that was uh, Steve Serby of the Post, the great Steve Serby, trying to figure out who sparked the team after hearing the boos, and Jamal didn't shy away. It was him. If you've watched the film room video from a week ago with the defense and Greg Williams finally finding an identity, you'll get a better feel for how Jamal leads the charge. Greg Williams is using Jamal, his the strength of his defense. Jamal, Marcus May, Brian Poole, the interior defensive backfield to really form that identity because he can't play at vanilla. He can't just say, for my four linemen go. We'll rely on the four-man conventional pass rush to get some pressure, and we'll play it like that. No. Greg Williams figured it out. He, they, they've got to disguise defenses. They have to blitz DBs because they have no edge rushers. And Jamal's a huge part of that. But in terms of Oakland fans in the stadium, hey, this is how it is. If you're a 3-7 and seven team and... You know, one of the big fan base followings are coming in to MetLife Stadium, Cowboys, Raiders. That's going to happen. Jets fans are going to go to the third, you know, third-party market and sell tickets. To avoid that, you win games. To avoid that, you create a culture. And Adams knows that. But you know, I, I'd feel disrespected as well to he, to get booed in my home stadium. I, I'd go nuts. I'd be livid. And Adams used that the proper way and uh, fueled his defense. Also with Jamal, after the game, another useless Twitter war. This time, Derek's car, Derek uh, Carr's brother. No, not David Carr. This time, with Darren Carr. Can you believe this? The Carr parents, another first name starting with the letter D. It's outrageous. I mean, at a certain point, you run out of names. But Darren Carr, the Carr brother not in the NFL, I don't even know if there's more brothers. Maybe there's four or five, I don't know. But Darren Carr is a high school coach. Uh, Jamal, he just loves that Twitter, man. I don't understand it. If if there's no face-to-face consequences, no real-life situations, you can only get yourself into trouble on social media is my motto. So, I don't understand it, but Jamal didn't start this one. He put out a picture of him getting to car, helmet, mug right in the chest of the quarterback, taking him down. Darren Carr uh, retweets him, comment tweets him, saving this for later, whatever that means. Jamal sees it, gets back at him, We're not going to go through the full dialogue because it's pretty pointless. But, you know, hey, it is what it is. Um, Jamal, this is fresh off the Leonard Fournette Twitter battle, by the way, where the whole world thought Jamal took an L. But, you know, we move on. The disrespect on defense that those defensive players felt fueled this win. On the offensive side of the ball, the mutual respect that Gase and Sam Darnold have going 
fueled it for their unit. Gase is not a tyrant. You know, we, we all have that image of Miami. Gase all alone, facing the play sheet, with no one around while the game's going on. That's the turning point of the season right now. If he was a tyrant, he wouldn't ask Darnold's input on anything. He does. And Darnold told us, as we already went over, Gase asked him, what do you think? You think it's the right time for the for the trick play we worked on? The double reverse flu flicker? Darnold, his response? It's kind of funny, but what else would you expect from a California kid? What, See, why, why, was that a, why was that the perfect time to call the flea flicker? Um, I don't know. Uh, well, what, what was your evaluation, your analysis of that play and how it, how it unfolded? Yeah, you know, he asked me if I wanted to... I wanted to do it, and I felt like it was a good time uh, for whatever reason. You know, I just felt it in my gut, and uh, you know, we went out there. If I put the ball out a little further, I think Robbie scores. Uh, but he made a heck of a catch and, and we finished the drive. How about your touchdown? Your run, your run touchdown. Tell me about that. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I had uh, you know someone in my way uh, at the goal line, and I just did what I could to get in the end zone. Uh, it was fun out there. Um, just to be able to run one in like that because, you know, it doesn't happen very often. How important Yeah, it was huge. You know, whenever we can get a great player like, like him involved early, um, it makes a difference and it gets all of our, you know, it gets, gets, a, uh, gets us in rhythm. Last couple of weeks, he's done a great job of getting everyone involved early in the game. What kind of pressure does that put on defense facing as the game evolves? Yeah, it's uh, it's huge, you know, to be able to have a great defense going out there and, and making plays for us. Um, I can't say enough about them. And then also, I mean, our offensive line has, has battled through some things this year, um, and they've been they've been lights out just the way that they've dealt with everything. Um, those guys are special. For whatever reason, come on, Sam. You know what the reason is. Your defense just stopped the Raiders, four and out, turnover on downs, ball around midfield. Every offensive mind knows the certain situations in which shot plays are worth pulling off. First down, too, right away. You don't wait. And a turnover on downs is one of those plays. So as soon as the Jets stopped him, first down, Gase mentioned it to him, Darnold, as he said there, feels it in his gut. It's the right time. Double reverse flea flicker. First read is taken away. Second read, well, I'll be looking at the film after this podcast. Second read, uh, what was Anderson running? Was it just a go? Was it a corner? Uh, it looked like a wheel from up above. but um, Second read was there, underthrew it, but still a good play. Good play. And that Darnold and Gase chemistry is improving. But notice the last thing he said, the offensive line. Giving credit to the offensive line. When you track the good teams in this league, it comes down to the offensive line. The Rams' offensive line's falling apart. It's no coincidence. The Rams are also falling apart. Donald gives credit where credit is due. The offensive line. Frank Polak seems to be making a difference. Um... You know, now that we're really in the meat of the season, the depth on the team really making a difference. Compton, Harrison, 
And credit Joe Douglas. You know, even though Khalil is a bad move, having that depth is really big. McCagnan never got depth on the offensive line. Terrible backups. Bless Austin. Credit McCagnan for that one. He got bless in the draft. Arthur Mallett. Ryan Griffin. Another Douglas move, if I remember correctly. Um, Hewitt. Neville Hewitt's playing tremendously. So, we'll see. We'll see. This team, they don't look ahead. They do have a week-to-week mindset, and it's very good. It's very um, refreshing to experience. Everyone says it, but only certain teams actually practice it in real life, and this team does. So, as a fan, hope for 6-7 and seven when they get to Baltimore. And if that happens, hey... Anything could happen, but that's what you got to hope for. Six and seven. Don't think playoffs. Just hope for six and seven because the way the Jets match up with the Ravens is actually really good for New York. Number one against the run against a Baltimore team that has to rush the ball. If Lamar Jackson was asked to throw it on every down, it would not work. The magic in the Ravens, the magic in Lamar Jackson is running the ball first. And the Jets' defense matches up against that type of offense much better than, say, an Aaron Rodgers-led, Peyton Manning-led offense that kills you from the pocket because their corners aren't great in man-to-man. The Jets are a zone-coverage, run-stop defense. So we'll see. Four and seven, three-game winning streak. Everything's great. Back to Florham Park tomorrow, Wednesday. Players practice on Thursday. No media on Thursday. Media returns Friday, and then off to Cincinnati. Until next time. <laughs>